Hi, this is Tony Silva. And Charles Wiz. And this is episode 107, Two Teachers Talking. And Charles and I get together to talk about teaching English in Japan and uh, pitfalls and rewards and good stuff, bad stuff. And uh, today we're talking about, not really toys, um, gear, <laughs> tools, toys. stuff that we use to get the job done, so to speak. 107, it's a, it's a prime number. Is 107 a prime? I think it's a prime. I was thinking about that yesterday. Like, how do you figure out what's the largest prime I can come up with on my own? On your own? Oh, I just Googled it. <laughs> how, wait, how'd you Google it? Oh, I just read prime numbers. Oh, okay. Because you probably could just Google 107 is prime. You could do 107. Yeah. You can ask Siri. Yeah. Okay. So 107 is a prime number. Hmm. So this is a prime podcast. Means nothing. <laughs> prime time. But that's a good lead-in. <laughs> that's a good lead-in. See what you can do with your today, gear. Right? Look, at, look at what you can do with your gear. Okay, so Tony, so we're talking kind of, well, no, we're talking about gear, um, the, the equipment we use. And I th before we were talking about, you know, the gear that we use and how do we use it and what do we do with it. And I think you and I both qualify as gearheads. Mm-hmm. Or we spend more time thinking about the equipment we use than other people do. Mm, I would say that that's probably true. Yeah. Okay. So why, my question is, I, I'm trying to figure out how I got here. In other words, why do I care about gear? In other words, I'm, I care about the keyboard I'm using or the feel of the keyboard or the quality of a screen or am I using a good microphone? And I'm trying to wonder, when did that happen? Or I can't tell. Do you know when it happened for you? Uh, probably in terms of specifically what you're talking there about, um, tactile feedback from, um, uh, mechanical, electromechanical devices. Well, that was, um, that was, say that again. That sounded really good. Ta <laughs> what was it? Tactile, tactile feedback, feedback from, from electromechanical devices. Electromechanical devices. <laughs> I bet you've been waiting to say that for years. <laughs> um, for me, it was, um, it goes back to the very early driving days and uh, early sports cars where the, the feedback from the steering wheel and the feedback from the shifter and, um, you know, the feel of the clutch pedal and the, you know, the way the car responds to a turn and so forth was um, so important <laughs> to me at that, at that time. It still is, if I, or would be if I had a car. But um, uh, just the, the subtle differences from one car to another, even, even the same model, for example, of course, especially Italian cars, there was a lot of variations from one car to another. Um, the little differences in the feel and things and the, you know, switch gear, you know, for example, um, all of that. So I know that that was there then that that's back my university days. So for me, it's always been that way, kind of, I guess. And, uh, uh, always had this, uh, thing with pens, the pens and pencils, the feel of the pencil in your hand and the feel as the, the point of the pencil or the nib of the pen goes across the page. Kind of obsess over that, too. Yeah, the, I'm, it's interesting because... <laughs> we I, just lost everybody. They just, <laughs> everybody's just like... Next podcast. Wait, 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 wait a second. Let me see. What did you just cover? You covered cars, <laughs> shifters, <laughs> pens, and okay, they're like, okay, this is real gearhead. But I think it might be helpful for people because you're one of the few teachers I know who works on or has worked on cars. And, and you, you're I grew the other up, one. I grew up. <laughs> you're the other one. I'm the other one. Yeah, there's two. <laughs> Although I do remember meeting one person who had used to be uh, like a diesel mechanic in the Navy. Uh -huh. So 
it's interesting because I grew up, you know, every every Sunday, you know, my dad would be fixing something. And my dad was a quite a talented, you know, repairer, mechanic, innovative guy that way. Always had really good tools, mm. um, snap-on tools, mm. uh, real, and the stuff that was really, really good. And he always had the right tool for any job, which was kind of an interesting thing. So I think I grew up in that. And I'm thinking, but if you didn't grow up with that, um, you know, I know people who say, I don't really care about the quality of the screen, or I don't care how the keyboard feels. And that always is amazing to me. It's kind of like, really? You don't care that this is a squishy keyboard? Or well, that it's, it's, not, it's not even that, um, it's, I think it's a little bit, it's not that they don't care. They just have never considered it. It never registered, so that, it's that's don't care. Well, I, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that don't care? Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I think it's more than just don't care. It's just like okay. they don't. This doesn't. Okay, they don't see it. They don't feel it. What, okay, so it, yeah. if we're, th I'm thinking about people. So, for example, mm. I try to explain to somebody that what's the difference. For example, if you go to two large monitors when you're planning your activity. So, if you have you have on one screen, you have your source material. On the other screen, you have, let's say, your word processor open and you're writing dialogue or you're trying to make dialogue, you're trying to make a test, and you're not working on a small screen and you're not switching between windows, just how incredibly more efficient that is. Sure. Yeah. So where would we start talking, let's say, with people who are not like us gearheads? Because you and I would go into small little details about things and you know why this amount of RAM is better than that amount of RAM and things. But what's what do you think's the impact of the kind of tools we use or the kind of gear we use on teaching? I think that we had talked a little bit about that, that there is a washback effect. If you choose to go down this route or you don't go down this route, like when you walk into a classroom, do you need to have certain things or do you not need to have certain things or how does that impact your teaching? I think there's a fork. I think there's there's two things there. One is um, when you are in a classroom and you don't have the tools that you've come to rely on. Uh, for example, uh, an easy way to project images, screens to the students that, you know, whether it's a television, whether it's a projector or whatever, if it's, if it's, a, if it's not, if it's not there or if it's not easy, um, that's going to negatively impact you. And, and again, what, that's an example, but it could be um, uh, the, the you know, seats that move, um, you know, you know, movable chairs, desks, so that people can get into groups and things. Whether it's um, you know, and maybe the blackboard is old and it doesn't really, you can't really write on it, and the kids it doesn't really pick up the chalk, and the kids can't see it. But all those kinds of things where you just don't have basic tools. What would for you have become basic tools for us, like Wi-Fi, for example. It's like classroom without Wi-Fi. It's you know how is this thing? But I, I teach in them, so that's one thing. Um, the second, the other, at the other extreme, uh, is uh, someone who and I don't, I don't think this is either you or I, but it might be, um, who go at it backwards and. Because there's a technology available, whether it's a VHS machine, you know, it, it, time, a long time ago, or a television, or whether it's the the, the newest kind of, kind of call or you know 
everybody take out your phones and do X, Y, or Z. Um, where you use the technology just because you've got it and you find a way to, you change your teaching to adapt to the technology rather than letting, you know, finding out the best use of it to fit the best teaching, if you know what I mean, if I'm saying that clearly. I'm not sure that I am. But um, the two the things. The tool one, should fit the task, not the task should fit the tool. Right. There you go. Okay. And then we're told. <laughs> so those are the, well, those are the, in fact, the impact in the teaching, those are the two ways that it goes. And um, I'd like to think that um, uh, having the, what I consider basic necessary equipment just gives me the options to do exactly that, to choose uh, the best tool for whatever um, task I've got in front of me and, and you know, to produce the, the best lesson that I can um, and to have the necessary tool to do that the way that I want to do it. Well, what are your necessary essential tools? Uh, you, in other words, you don't think you would really enjoy teaching without or wouldn't be able to walk into a classroom and do your job. Well, I need a blackboard, need a whiteboard. Um, I need, uh, would like movable desks and chairs, but for me, that's not a deal breaker because uh, I've, kids kids are young, they, they can snake themselves around and, and do whatever uh, to, to when they're working groups or in pairs and things. That, that's, it's nice if you can get it, you know, movable desks and chairs, that's great. Um, you know, light, <laughs> you know, windows where there's, or at least, you know, artificial light so that it's bright enough so people can see what their pages, see their desks, see each other. Um, Wi-Fi in the classroom um, for myself and for the students so that we can interconnect somehow when we need to. Um, also a very easy way to project something from my device to everybody. Now, whether that's a huge monitor or a, or a projector screen, that, that, that gets, already gets a little bit difficult if you got to turn on a projector and wait for it to warm up or you know something more more advanced like so for example at one university i always request the call rooms even though it's a they're speaking listening classes it's like there's times when i need to show everybody something and i'm not going to put it on a board but yeah, okay pull it you know turn on the monitors take a look at this um and that's basically all i need um and the, the um the the catch is the the Wi-Fi still 2019, um, and um, the ease of getting you know, of being able to get the student to see on a screen what I want them to see. So those t tend to be the two snags. Yeah, I think I'm probably reasonably in the same ballpark. Wi-Fi, so that students can get on the net to look up things. They have access to the website the class website, and that allows us to interconnect. So if something comes up, I think the key thing for the Wi-Fi is that it gives me the chance to improvise more. Right. Right. I, ah, something comes up, a student makes a point or question. I say, oh, I can get online. And, yeah, ah, I, and can, I, I got to show you this. Ah, here's a picture of this. This is what I mean, or it makes life easier that way. And I agree though, but real basic thing, good lighting, good ventilation, um, you know, so there's heating or there's air conditioning in the room. So students are comfortable, movable tables and chairs or anything except lecture kind of rows and fixed tables. Um, mm -hmm. I can deal with pretty easily. And then 
um, a, a room that actually is not too big and not too small is a big thing. So I think the physicality or the physical dimensions of the room are key for me on that. Um, but, you know, when you talk about, for example, televisions or projectors, and when uh, it's kind of going to move into real minor kind of gear, but one of the things that I found is really helpful, and I really hate buying this stuff, but it's so helpful, is having an assortment of cables so that I can mix and match. Because, you know, even at one university, I'll go into one room and it requires like an HDMI to connect to the projector. And then I go into another, or a television, then I go into another room and it needs like those old, what are they, VGA things? Those old mm -hmm, weird mm -hmm, screw mm -hmm. thing. And if I don't have my own cables or my own adapters, there's nothing I can do. So I hate that, but that becomes, I think, some of the minimum gear I absolutely need. But maybe... How do you think, for example, when you, let's say, so you're teaching in different classrooms at different schools, and sometimes even in the same classroom you're teaching, or same school you're teaching in different classrooms, right? Right. Okay. How does the, the differences in those classrooms, and because the classroom really is your, your most important piece of gear, mm -hmm. how's mm -hmm. that affecting your teaching? I mean, does your teaching change based on the room and how you adapt? And do you have, you know, the equipment you use to then adapt to a different kind of room? What do you do? Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, uh, one school for a couple of classes each semester, we have to sacrifice our, our call room for some testings that, uh, that take place at the school and they shuffle uh, me off to uh, a different kind of classroom. And it's, it's interesting to see the way the, the, the students change. They seating patterns change a little bit and they interact differently from the different spots where they're sitting. And it's, it's, it's always kind of, it's very unpredictable, but it's always interesting to watch. Um, I had a, a case this year where I had uh, a small classroom that was just big enough to hold 34 students that I had. I think every, every there might've been an empty desk, but we were all kind of packed in there and it was pretty tight. And it wasn't, um, it wasn't one of my best classes, and I had a problem student in it. Uh, and it, I talked to the coordinator and says, you know, this, and she said, well, we'll get you, we'll see if we can get you a bigger room. She did. Uh, and uh, it made a big difference to the class. Um, the, the bigger classroom allowed me to move around much better. I could put them into groups much more effectively, a little space between the groups, so there's a little more cohesiveness uh, within the group. Um, me getting to them, being able to listen, being able to interact, correct, steer oh, in their discussions and things made a really big difference. Because, um, yeah, being in that smaller classroom really cramped my style, so to speak. Right? <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, it, it can make a big difference. At, at another school... Um, there's a, I have a classroom where they, they do have to move with desks and chairs, but um, I have classes of in that room between 15 and 20 students, but there's like seating for 50. So mm -hmm. every day in the morning that I'm at that school, I go into the classroom Let early in the morning and, and pile up the desks and the chairs of the last two or three rows in the back of the room. And uh, so, yeah, and then it's, and then it's fine. It's very workable.
is, is very comfortable. It's very nice. Well, yeah. The reason I'm I'm asking about that is often when I talk to teachers, and let's say they're not as interested in equipment as much as I am, you know, gear in general. I can get them to understand the importance of equipment or using the right equipment or better equipment or let's say equipment that can help you get things done. When I say, well, look at how the room affects you. Look at how a different classroom would affect your teaching. They're like, oh, yeah, I got that. Yeah. And I said, well, in many ways, the tools you're choosing to use, the tech tools you're choosing to use are also having a very similar impact. And so that, I guess, you're right. Maybe that's that's evidence for your statement that the people have not even have not considered it mm -hmm. it hasn't crossed their mind as to how that works so i guess i have to take that back mm -hmm. but the there okay so we know that the room the layout the size of the room the acoustics of the room for example can make a big difference i know sure. that i have some echoey rooms that sure. are just make it hard for me to hear what students are asking um, and sometimes i feel like i have hearing problems <laughs> that's really funny but actually, it's not funny at all. But I'm thinking now, what? So it's a, it's the the meta question, right? Again, is how is it really impacting? I mean, we we choose to use things. We choose to use certain tools. Uh, and I don't know. Are do you th people say or people have mentioned that I tend to be more tech oriented than most people? which I find that I'm less tech-oriented than people who really know their tech and real tech-oriented teachers. How do you think it's really impacting your teaching in general when you're choosing to walk into a classroom with a laptop? With Because, um, for example, you, you have pictures of your students in numbers, right? Correct. And I think we've talked that Excel maybe doesn't do that? As far as I... Last time I checked, it did not do right. that. Right. So, for example, having your students' pictures in a spreadsheet, that allows you to interact with them, to know their names more easily, to have a sure. record of how they are, which is a whole lot different than trying to remember students' names. And I don't know, it's hard for me to remember all my students' names. And yeah, or as I say too. to my students now, it's look, you know, if, if a teacher knows your name, it's either a really good thing or a really bad thing. And most of the time, it's not a really good thing. But how do you think your equipment is really impacting your teaching, affecting your teaching in a kind of a meta way, so to speak? Well, do you think, I'm sorry, do you think yeah. it's planning wise, uh, implementing exactly what's happening during the classroom? Well, for me, it, it's kind of a, a chicken egg thing because, uh, yes, the I go in with, and basically everything is on my Mac, the Mac. I'm a, I'm a one person, one machine guy. You're not counting the phone or the iPad. It's all on the MacBook. Everything is there. So attendance, grades. Um, if I've got things that are recorded, either that I recorded myself or other, you know, like YouTube video type things or listening tests, everything is there. And having it all on the one machine um, makes the flow go extremely uh, smoothly. It's... Everything is there. Everything is at my fingertips. I can grab anything that I need. And uh, in most of the classrooms, some of them more difficult than others, I can get that to the students. I can hook up to audio in the classroom, and I can hook up to video in the classroom. So whether I use it or not, it depends day to day which class it is and what whatever that we're doing. But when I walk into the classroom, I know I've got the Mac, and I've got 
like you just said, I got the whole, you know, little big, little, not a little bag anymore. It's a big bag full of cables and connectors. Um, so that I know I can hook up anything. I can hook up my phone to it. I can, I can hook up the iPad. I can hook up the Mac. If some, if a kid's got an older Mac and they're going to do a presentation that they're going to, I have connectors for the old ones. I've got HDMI connectors. I've got VGA connectors. I'm, I am ready, like a Boy Scout. I am prepared. Um, One day somebody's going to make like a Swiss Army knife of cables, right? It'll just be. This, <laughs> I think they might have. Somebody already. probably's already thought of this, yes. <laughs> but it's never been good enough to use or. No, no. But um, yeah, it just having all that um, right there um, gives me, as I, as I mentioned, you know, at the beginning, options. I've got all the options, and we talked before about. You know, you get to a certain point in a in a lesson. It's like, okay, this is bombing. All right, let's let's mix it up. So, uh, example, real life example, where um, uh, uh, I'm at a school. I'm teaching uh, low the well, the material is low level conversation classes, but I'm using it with low level students and high level students. No choice. But uh, about a month. Into the into the semester, I know that there's a predictable drop because it gets you know, the textbook says it's very very repetitive, and uh, it, it focuses on mechanics of you know, of fundamentals of just basic hi you know greetings and it breaks down into like um, the uh, conversation into elements and greetings and openers and closers and okay so. At first, the kids, you know, they're first year students. They're, you know, happy to be in university. And then about a month, six weeks into, it's like, this is, this is, this is kind of <laughs> getting old here. It says, okay, you, fine. Go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt, but don't you love it when, um, you know, they're, they're so excited their first week or two weeks. And then you turn mm. to them after Golden Week, right around end of middle of May, and you say, hey, do you guys remember how excited it was to go to college your first week? And now look at you. <laughs> like, wow. Yes, I just always love to point that out, that they were so thrilled their first week, and now it's a grind. And then you say, oh, 3.8 more years to go. So when I see when I see their eyes kind of roll back in yes. their heads, I says, "All right, here, this is, take a look at this. This is another. There's no way we can we, that you can do this." And I have again at fingertips right there, boom, uh, from YouTube. And if it's, it's Wi-Fi, I'll just go to go to YouTube. It's easier to finding it on my on my hard disk. Um, a compilation of scenes from the uh, TV series Friends which a lot of people I think know. And uh, one of the characters' name is Joey, and he's an actor and kind of a playboy. Oh, Joey's great. He's got that line, how you doing? And it's just a compilation of him, all his how you doings. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's short. It's like maybe two minutes. But they get it, right? They, they look from scene to scene to scene. And so it's like, okay, now there's another greeting for you. How you doing? <laughs> and they, they enjoy it. They get into it. And, and it, it puts a whole other spin on what would have been like a really dry lesson. So having that that kind of thing. Okay, boom, I can pull this out. Or, yeah, okay, let's take a look. I, I, I don't know about that. Why don't, we, why don't we explore it? Let's find out and get on, you know, and Google it. Put the results up there and take a look. It's um, that that flexibility to give you those options. That's for me is what um, the the tech it 
get, brings to the classroom for me. I would agree on that. I think the best part of tech is having all the materials I've ever made, all the materials I've ever used accessible at any point in time. And even if I haven't printed stuff out, I can easily, for example, now put something onto the website and within two minutes update the website and then say, okay, students, refresh the webpage. Here it is, you know, and they can look at sure. it on their phones. So that knowing that I can adapt pretty easily, not easily, it's never easy to adapt, or maybe it is, I don't know, but having access to all the materials so that I can improvise when things are not going well or something comes up and I say, oh, I can run with this and to be able to get that material. And if I don't even have the material to be able to go to Google or find a YouTube video for the students to watch and say, okay, fine. And especially where it gets really useful is the times where you can see that you're losing the focus of the class. The students just are, for some reason, they're not there, they're not present or they're checking out and it's happening on a large scale for whatever reason that getting something like a funny YouTube or putting up a, a scene from The Simpsons, for example, tends to always be able to bring back the energy of the class, retract them onto being more focused. That is the best part of having everything on one machine or accessing it through something like Dropbox or the cloud. And I couldn't imagine not having that. I mean, I can, but it's so much better. Sure. It is such a hindrance not to have it. And so it becomes um, almost a necessity. It's like, it's like, for example, having a classroom without a blackboard mm. or a whiteboard. Uh, but it's like, well, uh, you, uh, yeah, we, we're, we've been doing this for a long time. We can, we can, we can get through it, but man, it, <laughs> there's an easier way. <laughs> I really would like this. Like some, you know, somewhere I can write where students could see the words. Um, That's, a, I think, a good analogy is that for us, the computer is almost the same as the blackboard or whiteboard. Sure. It's one it's of just, those just, essentials. A, that a blackboard was once cutting-edge technology. Uh, as was the film strip projector. Remember those? You, sure. Did you? Ever, I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but there was an article that talked about how this new technology was going to transform education. It was a film strip projector. For those people <laughs> who don't remember film strip projectors, how would you describe it? It was basically um, a the roll movie, of slides. A movie film projector. I know it was right? 35 millimeter film, wasn't it? Uh, it might have been. 16, anyway, imagine that you have like, a, it's like halfway between. Um, uh, a regular old style film camera and a projector, right? You had a roll and you, you changed There's two big reels, right? Yeah. And you just turned it when the thing, there would be narration for the image that was being projected in the screen and then it would go dink. And the teacher would turn the, the knob and it would move forward one slide. It was like slide projectors. Okay. And then, but you couldn't leave that one there too long. Otherwise it would burn up. <laughs> I think it was a low grade. It wasn't as uh, powerful. You could leave the slide up for a while. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a super powerful bulb like it was for the film projectors. But technology is usually overrated. That seems to be a good history of the impact of technology on education always being it's, Yeah, the impact on education is overrated, yeah. Yes, and that it seems that the technology 
can add to the learning experience or the ability for the teacher to create a really good teaching environment. But there's no single technology, I think, that's come out yet that has totally transformed teaching, except for the, the smartphone, which has allowed students to check out so much easier from the classroom. Mm -hmm. So what those essential tools to be able to teach really make a difference. So, okay, so one of the essentials that's really basic is a set of cables so that you can have your machine works with whatever is in the room. Right. Okay. So what if somebody says to you, hey, Tony, uh, I want to um, start using um, a computer. I want to start using YouTube in my classroom. I want to start maybe using Google. I want to use PowerPoint to present things to my students. Of course, both of us would start off by recommending a Mac. I think. Mm -hmm. um, but what would be the things for people to look for when they're buying a machine that doesn't have to deal with the Mac? What would be like maybe some suggestions when people want to really buy something and they have no idea where to start? Well, I, I, I would, I would have want to, to go down that track. Yeah, what I would have to back up and say, like, well, you want to do this? It's just like, why? Exactly right. What, what do you what do you what do you want to do with it? What, what's your purpose? Oh I, oh, I heard about YouTube. I'm going to use YouTube. It's like, okay, why? How? No, you, that was a, what I talked about at the very beginning. They like put in the cart before the horse, right? Um, what is it that you're trying to do, and how do you think this is going to make it easier or better to do for you? Um, there's using YouTube because to use YouTube is is not the right step to take. It's like what do you what do you think it's going to do for you? What, what do you think it's going to do for your students? What is it you're trying to accomplish? Then you figure, okay. Then you know, all you well, gotta do be is a good reason, all you gotta do is hook up your phone. You don't need a computer. What would be a good reason for using YouTube, and what would be a reason you'd say, well, maybe you don't want to use YouTube? You 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 want to you, you, you good reason to use YouTube is you want to supplement whatever your topic is and be able to provide um, either low level examples of conversations or real life situations, or you want to show them a particular Ted talk that fits in with what they're talking about. Um, infinite re numbers of reasons. Um, well, how are you going to do that? And how often are you going to do it? And um, how are you going to integrate that? Um, again, Wi-Fi in the classroom. Could you just put a URL on the board? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> That is like, that's that's a, a black hole of correcting mm. students typing. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't 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 do that. <laughs> yeah, I think that it's starting with the why question. So let's say the person says, "Okay, I want to do this," and then they say, "Well, you know, I guess students really like YouTube, and I want to keep students' interest in the class." What would you say to that? Um, uh, again, I would ask, like, how often are you going to do it? Are you going to just show YouTube? And if they're going to do just going to show YouTube type videos, um, I say, well, I'll, what what kind of equipment is in the classroom, and uh, what kind of phone do you have? Get a connector, and then just run it from your phone. If that's all you're going to do, now I'd say that's probably not the best way to go about it but if that's the way you're going to go about it then you really don't need anything you just need a cable to hook up your phone 
And I think that's something a lot of people or some people might not know is that, yeah, you can plug your phone into a projector or a television and you can have sound output and you can show those YouTube or TED Talks or whatever, even websites that are online. Don't need a computer for that. It was funny when my student evaluations, one of the students was like, oh, I was so happy. Tony taught me how to use my phone to, to run PowerPoint. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> I think a lot of people, again, especially our students, don't understand the potential for mm -hmm. the tools. So I, I see students now coming in with iPads, <clears throat> and mm -hmm. I'll, I say, hey, do you know this gesture? And they go, huh? And I'll say, oh, do you know this gesture? You know, the four-finger gestures, three-finger sure. gestures. And I, I said to them, have you explored the tool? Have you Googled how to use an iPad? And often they <laughs> have not. Mm. And I want to back, I don't know if it's backtracking or jumping forward, but one thing I would say is that if you're thinking of getting some gear, let's say you're deciding you want to get an iPad or use your iPhone for the classroom, do a little bit of research about how people use these tools. What are the tools capabilities? Because before you jump in and spend too much money on a laptop, you might find that it's something, as you say, you've already got the phone. You can do a lot of that on the phone. But let's say, so the teacher says, okay, I want to use YouTube because number one, it gives students the opportunity to hear real authentic conversations or monologues or talking. There's visual, students are able to rewind if they look at it, they can review it back in their homes and they give you all the legitimate reasons why they want to use this tech. And then what do you say now about choosing the device, the gear now? Well, again, if it's if it's just going to be YouTube, I don't think that there's need for any other gear than the phone. However, if you're going to supplement that YouTube viewing with, um, like other, like throw up, a, for example, a PDF in which you've prepared like maybe a script of the conversation, but it's not there on YouTube itself. Um, if you've got uh, additional material that that. Uh, amplify certain parts of, of the conversation or whether the topic or you've got something else that you created to go with it well then to have when you start adding more and more pieces of what you want to share with the students then the phone starts to become uh, a little bit more difficult to use uh, if you're going to expand to other things and it's like well if you well in a, you know it's possible maybe they already have a laptop um I don't know how they might be able to use it and what else might they be might have on the laptop that you know could be pulled together um so again it's you have to you'd have to I, I would have to talk more with the teacher about their practices and how what it is that they want to change what it is that they're trying to do and then figure out what to do but the more pieces that you've got the, the more you're going to move away from the phone to the PC uh, with, with the, with the um, tablet kind of in the middle. And some people are very, very comfortable with that. Others are not. Yeah. Beginning to think that one way to consider the issue is that if you want to show one thing and you want to do one thing at one time, the phone works, for example, you can put up a, series of questions on a screen. You can show an article on the screen. That's possible. 
you can show the YouTube. But let's say you want to have students see watching YouTube with questions next to that. Now you've got two things going. That you can do on, on an iPad. I don't know about on Android tablets, but I know you can do that on an iPad with, um, I think it's called Split View. Split View, that's side by side. Right, side by side. So there you can, for example, have the TED Talk or the YouTube thing on one side, and you can have your series of questions on the other, and students are watching and looking at the questions, and it's on the screen, and it's all very nice. And you could even like be typing your own comments and questions in real time. Right, going exactly, on. at the same time. But you, uh, but you can only do that easily is if you've got an external keyboard, because otherwise the keyboard uh-huh. on the... T- uh-huh. uh-huh, right, exactly. <laughs> See, so now we're kind of getting into the gear thing, but let's say... Let's say you want the students to watch the YouTube or the TED Talk with the questions on, but you also want to be able to get some work done while they're doing that. Now you've got a completely different situation. Um, But I think the key is if it's only two things, you can go with the tablet. But if you need to do three things or more at the same time or have three or more windows open at the same time, then you're looking at a, a laptop, I think. But... A lot of people probably could get by with just a, an iPad mm-hmm. or a tablet for doing a lot of the things we're talking about. And I like the idea. I do that also is that there's a, a YouTube or a TED Talk going and I'll start typing questions or comments on the on the tech side so that students can see things. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really good. I'll tell you, though, there's one t- way, though, that the iPad excels over a laptop and this is especially if you're if it works for writing classes it's real easy to put a student's work up so let's say you strip off the name any identifying information and you put a student's paper on on the on the screen you project it up or it's on the television the iPad with a, an Apple pencil allows you to start underlining marking mm. And you can mark the paper in front of the class real easily, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is something you can't do with a laptop. So I know that for me, the iPad is an essential tool in my writing classes because I'm always putting students' work up, marking it, showing them how I'm marking it and going through it because I prefer to give feedback that way rather than marking the paper individually. So, And this helps students see things. So again, you have to really think through the tools, but here's the problem is that if you've never used the tools, you don't know what they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So it if you're going to think about things, it's I really strongly suggest that really strongly. I strongly suggest <laughs> that's because of the article you sent mm-hmm, me, Tony, mm-hmm, on redundancy mm-hmm. in language. <laughs> We should put a link to that, on the, mm. or you should put a link to that on the website. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I should do more on the website. That people talk to other people. So if you think, I wonder, how can I use this tool in this situation is the question you should ask. Not what tool should I use, what computer should I use for teaching, but focus it a little more. Say, I'm teaching a listening and reading class. Have you used any tools and when you've taught a teaching uh, taught a listening and reading class that made a difference and had a a positive impact on the students learning rather than trying to come up with an all-around answer because the all-around solution is you just buy a laptop that has the minimum requirements needed to be a productive tool but 
there's still no one tool that meets all the needs of a teacher. Bingo. So think about the classes. So for writing, an iPad is a great way to give feedback. And I, I like also, for example, talking about gear. I have, uh, what is it, the Fuji Scan Snap? Yeah, you do. Right? <clears throat> and That's a nice thing to have, isn't it? It's a really nice thing because basically it's it's a document scanner. And I can put, third, let's say you have 25 students and they've turned in their papers and they haven't sent me the file. But what I do is I can just scan that in and it goes bzoomf, 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 and suddenly it's done. And then I have all their work on PDFs. And I well, can I'm surprised. Be, I'm surprised. I'm a little surprised you accept papers on paper. Um, I do that because a lot of students complain about having to submit papers um, mm, electronically not, only. Okay. But the reason also they, they submit paper is because when they're proofing and they're doing peer editing, they have to have the... Okay, okay. And that's the real major reason why I do that. Mm. You don't that accept paper anymore? I do. I'm surprised that you do. Oh. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah, you can give it to me any way you want. Yeah, I, I tend to always ask for both now because some students actually complained to me that they said, I don't have access to a computer. I'm like, okay, really? But mm -hmm. all right, fair enough. And I can get it. And also, you know, I think I've talked before about the problem of getting students to name their files correctly and send things in properly. But let's say I have students and they've turned in their papers and then I scan them in. And then to be able to write the comments on an iPad while I'm on the train is a whole lot easier than trying to write comments on a paper and shuffling papers on a crowded train. Also, it reduces my, my weight. I don't have to drag so many things around. Sure, Sometimes sure. I'm really moving. So, But to go back to it again, the question is, look at what you're teaching specifically, and then talk to people who have taught the same classes, who you know are using gear, and see what they have found to be most useful. And I would agree with you. I think that in 75% of the cases, I could probably could get by with my phone. Yeah. I think with a an HDMI connector or the VGA output, and uh, right. um, well, not the new iPhones because they don't have the headphone jacks anymore, so you're kind of limited there, but you could pretty much do a lot of your work with just a phone. Okay, so that would be for classroom things, right? Mm. What about what other things does the gear help with? I mean, we've talked mm -hmm. often about spreadsheets, for example. Yeah. Uh, right, and the freedom that spreadsheets bring to the teacher. And we've, we, I th we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, that one of the best things is that you no longer have to make quizzes with like 10 questions or some sure, multiple sure, of 10 sure. because the spreadsheet does things. And that's a, a way that it's impacted the way I teach. For example, I gave a final exam the other day that I think had something like uh, 27 questions. Mm-hmm. So, but in general, so you ask somebody what they're using, how they're going to use it, why they're going to use it. And then somebody says, okay, but I also want something I can do work on. I can develop materials. I can make a, a question sheet. I can uh, bring in some article from a, a newspaper or a website and then create questions. And I think for most people, we're looking at a laptop rather than a, I, a tablet. I think for right? most people at that point, you're looking at a laptop because when you're talking about Again, multiple pieces. Um, not that it can't be done on a on a on a, a tablet. Uh, it gets harder to do, I think. 
So yeah, for me, again, the one the one <clears throat> device to rule them all, uh, my MacBook. So yeah, for material creation, whether it's um, um, just stories for reading classes, whether it's um, uh, pronunciation practice sheets for pronunciation type classes, um, managing the websites that I use for the students, recording this podcast, <laughs> recording um, you know my own. Um, a problem. Yeah. <laughs> I forget the English, but for listening classes, you know, listenings, um, making listenings for listening classes um, with, uh, you know, the, the same mic that I use and uh, a, a boom arm and uh, whatever software, you know, Quick, QuickTime, GarageBand, Audio Hijack, any one of those three, um, a pop filter. Okay, we need to slow down here for a second because I think a lot of people don't know what you just talked about. What yeah, you just said to... was are the gear you use for podcast recording, correct? Podcast or audio and, recording and material re creation for students, both. Okay, and you had there was there's hardware and software. So the hardware They're you all use thrown together, is, yeah, yeah. So you have a, a boom arm, which is just a like a a movable arm that holds the mic in front of your mouth, right? Correct. Okay, so it's in the right position and you can get the right distance. And then you have a USB microphone? Yes. Yeah, and those are fine most of the time. And that just is something that simply plugs into the computer directly. Correct. No other equipment needed to be able to record. And unless you're really looking for better quality, your 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 machine has a built-in microphone, and that is often good enough for no, recording. No, no, yeah. I know you get that airy, hissy, distant. Yeah, but depending on what you're making, right? But I think okay, maybe we just okay. Where would you consider that acceptable? Uh, to to a use the, a, the a listening test microphone. on a final exam. You see, I would not. I would disagree with that. I would think that I would want the best possible quality, or at least there's a minimal quality I would want on a listening test. Well, I wouldn't do it, but I think it's acceptable. Okay. But you can pick <laughs> up a, a cheap USB mic for how much? Uh, under under $50. I think, you see, um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what, I mean, the first, it's interesting. I I noticed the sound quality on a YouTube video or even anything else before I even noticed the vi the vi the the, vi <clears throat> the video quality. But you and I do. <laughs> I was reading somewhere that it's actually um, an important thing, but then again, it was about podcasting. But do you think it's just you and I? Not, it's not just you and I, but I think for those types of activities, if the sound is, I mean, if the voice is legible, uh, most of the time... Most people won't notice the difference. You hear what you and I consider unlistenable quality of so many big name podcasts. Whose names I mean, will not be mentioned. They will not be mentioned, but they're extremely popular. They're, there's like they're thousands and thousands of listeners and they sound awful. They sound awful, but, but there's been a big change that one, by the way, that we talked about. They've got, they've got a, the standards have been raised and someone's not there anymore. Um, we'll talk about it later. But, um, but I was also thinking about the other podcast. 
as well. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. But uh, but for I think I think okay. But for fifty dollars, the, the equipment for, for GoSend. Yes, for I, I, I would certainly yen. recommend it. But if you're going to do it one time, ah, okay. Um, I think the 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 mic on the computer is not that bad, and to to actually to twist this and make it a little bit more complicated, the the mic that's on the iPhone is really good. Actually, I would say that if you're going to just do something one time, use your iPhone and don't use your computer to record. Yeah, use the iPhone. It has a much better microphone. Free software like Ferrite or something, or even the voice recorder. It's okay. Let's let's simplify. But hold on, because this is where you know I know what Ferrite is, and you know what Ferrite, and I'm thinking of buying this, but but etc. Okay, I don't want to get too geeked out here. But let's say a teacher, you want to record your test, and you want to say, okay. Um. You want to speak the questions. It's a listening class. So you want to have the students listening to questions and then let's say perhaps writing the answers down. And by the way, we forgot to talk about that in the testing episode. Yeah, yeah. We had some follow-up from uh, listener Allison. Yes, and uh, which is that you want to go ahead and just interject that real quickly before I – Oh, and, yeah. Which she, will uh, allow me to forget my thought. Well, don't forget it. Hang on to it. Don't listen to me. Okay. We uh, last uh, last month we talked about uh, testing, and Allison pointed out that we really didn't emphasize. We don't. We can't remember if we actually mentioned it or if we just didn't talk about it enough. Uh, the advantage of having students with with, with testing, what regular or final exams, of students scoring their own tests and getting that feedback immediately. That immediate feedback. Um, which will then, you know, of course, reinforce X, Y, and Z. Um, and, um, and I guess we maybe dropped the ball and, and didn't talk about it enough, or we, maybe we didn't mention it at all, but uh, she uh, mentioned it, and both Charles and I go, oh, yeah, yeah, of course, we concur. And we just, well, I do that If all we the didn't time. mention it, it was an oversight. Right, and it was an oversight, because that's how I give almost all my quizzes, is I read the que- I say the question, the students write the answers, and then I say, okay, stop, pick up your red pen, let's check. Do you do it for final exams too? I haven't done it in final exams. And that's probably why we didn't think of it. Because we were talking more about I final, do it final exams. I was talking about testing lo- rather than assessment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm wondering whether or not to do it. But the problem with that is that I, I sometimes teach the same class. Mm-hmm. And then so I've yeah. just given the answers to the students. And, mm. you know, it's a little bit difficult. Anyway, to go back to the ideas that, what was I talking about here? It was using the iPhone for the listening. Recording, yeah. Right, because the microphone's better. But what I wanted to talk about, though, is that if you do not the best possible job the first time, you might find that the students don't react as well to that. And I would suggest that it makes sense to try to do the best quality recording when you can. So the idea that you can do that on the phone is really nice. You don't need any special gear. There's a voice recorder, and then you just play that back using the output of your iPhone. It's an easy, easy solution. Mm -hmm. It works. But if you decide that you're going to do this more than once and you want a little bit more freedom, getting a a reasonable mic, and the thing is is that the cost performance and the return on investment for just a, a simple mic that you put in front of you on your desk, bend forward, 
limit the distance between your mouth and the microphone, plug it in. And with the Mac, it's basically, it is plug and play. Purely. Purely. And you just open up the one of the recording things, um, apps like QuickTime or GarageBand, hit record, and then it's done. Th- having that freedom is very nice. And at that, that point, you probably want to minimally go to the Mac to or a laptop to be able to do it. And you can do that on a Mac. You can do it on a Windows machine. They have lots of apps that will work that way. But I think that any teacher that's just having a reasonable microphone for when you want to be able to record something and it's not too big of an expense seems to be a, a good way to go. I, I'm sorry, I just don't like the sound of a, the computer, the built-in microphone at all. I think it gets that airy, hissy kind of sound. Well, I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, we, the person we're talking about. Actually, <laughs> the I'm thinking other of two people. I know. And, but so, again, it could, it's probably just me rather than most people. But I have seen, there's one school where I work that there's an opening, um, you play a DVD, and it's just done so unprofessionally. There's spikes in volume, they're not using a good microphone, and then they change microphones so it sounds differently. And I can watch the reactions on students' faces that you can see them kind of going, what is this? So Mm -hmm. there is a veneer of professionalism you want to do when you're making your own thing, your own recording or the same thing. It's like your own handouts. You spend a little bit of time designing them, making sure they look nice, that they're easy to understand. Same thing with the recording. Go ahead and invest $50 in a, in a microphone. Makes a big uh, difference. Yeah, I'll underscore what you said about um, like you know, the materials they give the students, handouts and, and also the whatever tests or exams that are they're given on paper. Um, yeah, I take uh, extra effort to make, make all of those look good. Uh, as you said, that 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 little little bit extra of professionalism, uh, it it sends a message. It's like you know, this is this is a real class. This is a real test. This is a real teacher, <clears throat> and I expect you to be real students. So yeah, uh, there's a message there. So um, I well, in, in principle, I agree with you. Like on on the microphone, and yes, 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 but um, and. <laughs> But it maybe is not the answer for everybody. <clears throat> I mean, that's that's fair. Yeah, that's really fair. If you're going to do it one time, yeah, yeah, there you go. But I understand that. But in case you, you know, for those people, yeah, who if you're going to do it more with, than three times, buy the mic. Okay, but just, <laughs> Charles is right. Yeah. The other thing is, go onto YouTube and go to somebody who's really professional, who's famous for doing their their YouTube videos, and listen to the sound quality. Then go find some amateurish kind of video and see how the sound difference is and how that makes you feel. Of course, I've biased you already by doing that. <laughs> but the thing about gear, and maybe this is it, is that you have to figure out what's the minimum level of quality you want and how much that makes a difference to you and how much it's going to affect students. So for me, I'm sensitive, let's say, to sound or I'm sensitive to the design of something. It's going to determine what equipment I buy and what apps I use. 
So if you don't care, if you think that, okay, I can get away with using a textbook and writing on a blackboard or writing on a whiteboard, and that meets your needs and you're getting good results or you're getting results that you're comfortable with, there's really no need to invest in gear. But if you were to say, for example, what possibilities do I have or what potentials exist if I use a tool? How does it expand the realm of possibilities? Then you want to look at what is the minimum quality of performance or production that will allow you to feel comfortable with the new technique or new tool you're using, but also to consider what expectations the students have as well. Some students don't have high expectations, and if the expectations for the material is not that high, then you have a lot more freedom about what to do. What do you think? With you all the way. Okay. So we're running a little bit long, but I did want to mention one other specific hardware thing. Um, and I know that you've got a, a, a twist on this. Um, and it doesn't matter which way you go. But if you are uh, someone who uses a PowerPoint keynote uh, type presentations in the either in the classroom or when you're presenting at a conference or something. Uh, talking about essential investment, some kind of remote control. Some and you can you can control the computer with the phone, and you can run the presentation from your phone, control it with from the computer or a tablet. However, you rig it, it doesn't matter. Or you buy a dedicated remote control. But um, getting a remote control that will free you from standing behind the podium, standing behind your computer, which is usually um, directly in front of the screen. Right. To get you out of there, um, let you, you know, free you from that spot that you can interact with the audience, move around your students or, you know, in, in the class. Um, it makes a huge difference. And again, it's that little, little extra touch of professionalism. Um, yeah, yeah, you got to practice, learn how to use it. Yeah, and you've got to, you got to know your slides and you got to know your presentation. Sorry, <laughs> that, that's a given. Um, Something that you can give the presentation, you know, forward and back without issue. You don't need to look at what's on the screen. Um, but uh, the, the, the remote control capability of a running a presentation is just a, a no-brainer for me. I think you can go online and see people doing presentations and that when they're tapping at their computer to change the slide versus a remote control, it's kind of looks <clears throat> very different in terms of professionalism big difference what's my twist i'm trying to think what's my twist on this um a year or two ago um and i think we mentioned it on the program where um someone was most people use the remote the the phone as the remote and the ipad or the pc as the running the uh running the presentation and someone did the reverse they run the presentation from the phone and they use the, they walk around with the tablet. That's to, the guy, um, Teddy yeah, yeah, yeah. something from Yale or Harvard. He was on uh, Mac Power yeah, users. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. You were very impressed, and I, re I remember. Right, that, that, he, that, that's yeah, what he thought. reversed the you process. Were go with it. Right, most people would run use their phone as the remote and the computer as the projector, the connection to the projector. He reversed it, which allowed him to keep a whole bunch of different windows open and allowed him to change things around. 
something yeah. along those lines. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, there's different ways to do it, and sometimes I play around with it. But again, you have to figure out what you're doing. And if you think you want to try some of these tech things, start small. Do a one-minute, two-minute trial. So do a one-minute use of YouTube in your class and slowly build on it because you will find your own workflows, your own ways to work. Um. Don't try to bite off more than you can chew, I think is a good suggestion. Don't you agree? Yep. Yep. I yeah. think so. And you'll find out that some things work for you and some things don't. I, I know I remember talking to one professor. This is a good way maybe to end it. And I remember this professor said that he refused to teach in a classroom that did not have projectors and internet connection. You know, this is back in the old Ethernet days where tables had um, the Ethernet mm -hmm. hookups. And mm -hmm. he said... He wouldn't. He refused to teach if he got assigned to a classroom, you know, had a subtopic in a classroom or was assigned to a classroom that didn't have like full scale internet access, projectors, wireless, et cetera, et cetera. He just says, I will not teach this class. I will not teach in this room. And I thought to myself, that's really going f too far overboard. But the tools are there. The gear is there. And there are, if you, for example, um, just to mention some websites, if you use a Mac, which we tend to use, I think Mac Stories is now one of the real good places to go. If for, you think, I, for iPad use. For, yeah. Especially mm -hmm. for iPad use. What, um, Federico Vettici, mm -hmm. I think is considered like the world's expert on like only using an iPad. And you can use an iPad as your only machine. But... Think about what you need to he do. He can. <laughs> he can. I, I'm, I'm pretty close. I I, no, I'm not close yeah. to him, but I'm pretty, I, I've gotten it down to 90% of what I want to do. Mm. But mm. as in everything else, that last 10% is just mm. important. <laughs> so think about what you want to do, how you want to do it, and whether even if it's worth the effort. But I would suggest to most people that even if you haven't ever tried it and you think it's not really worth the effort, I think that once you start playing around, you'll discover a couple of things that really make a difference in the classroom. And I think with that, I can just stop talking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's playing, a good idea. Playing around like that will uh, uh, maybe open up possibities, uh, and you be think about things that you w would be able to do with this that you wouldn't be able to do otherwise. You know, just if you haven't thought about before. We talked very, yeah. as we said at the very beginning, right? Never considered that that possibility. And if you start small with just one little thing like showing a YouTube or projecting a you know sheet on one side and answering it on the other, for example, if it's really small, it doesn't matter where you are in the semester. You can try things out. You don't have to test things out over the break and make sure it's 100% fine. Start small, try little things, tweak little things, and you should be fine, and you'd be have a good chance to explore and figure out what you need. Yeah, and I think yeah, again between you know it's a semester you know, year break right now, everything off, um, and just kind of maybe you know even before that, starting off with just kind of a uh, a survey of what you do and what what you're doing and how you're doing it, and what you'd want to change or what you think you'd want to do. And then explore all the different things, possibilities, ways of accomplishing that with you know, and with technology. And then, as as, as you said, Charles, like little steps, 
little steps because it's easy to go off the deep end and um, kind of lose lose sight of what you're trying to do. So yeah, sm start small. Right, and if it's something as simple as making a website for your class, just put the weeks up a schedule. Start with a schedule and then little by little iterate on it. And I think that is just the idea is just build little bit by little bit by little. Okay. I think we have not covered the subject completely. <laughs> I think we missed. <laughs> but we a covered lot. enough, right? We don't want to get into the specific gear that people should use, but a general idea as to how to actually go about using this tech stuff. Okay, and so, they can always ask. Yeah, yeah. You can always send an email or a ask, message ask, to ask teachers questions. talking at Gmail and to teachers talking on Skype. And where else are we? We have a Twitter account. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and with that, I'll say I'm Charles Wiz. Tony Silva. And we're two teachers talking without a Twitter account. Okay, Tony, you be well. All righty. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>